Hey, Sam, what's a joke in the grapevine book? Fun in sobriety. Well, see, Don, a joke is this humorous. No. Oh, you wanted me to tell one. Oh, oh, yes, oh. Yes, tell a joke. An older gentleman was discussing his longevity. I have never allowed alcohol to pass my lips, he declared. I never smoked or chewed tobacco. Never went to a nightclub, dance, or a movie. I don't watch TV or listen to the radio. I don't drink coffee or tea. And tomorrow, I'm going to celebrate my 90th birthday. How? <laughs> Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Don, did you know that the General Service Office is asking members to contribute their stories of recovery to the fifth edition of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes. They are seeking a wide range of AA experience, strength, and hope from the fellowship. Deadline for submissions is October 31st, 2022. And for more information, Google AA Big Book Fifth Edition. In fact, I'm doing a workshop on writing your story for the big book. And if anybody wants the prompts I've created, email me, podcast at aagrapevine.org, and I'll send them to you. Now, Don, why the long face? Long face? I don't know. Maybe it's the goatee that I have. A lot of people don't know I have a goatee. It stretches the proportions of my face out a little long, perhaps. Kind of horse-like, though. I mean... What? Nay! Maybe not so much goat-like, but... <laughs> Well, I'm not sad, especially after that opening joke you read. <laughs> in fact, I am resplendent in ebullience. Ooh, somebody's been on thesaurus.com. <laughs> All right, so does that mean happy, joyous, and free? Yeah, uh, and not glum and sober. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. It is possible to have fun while being sober. Get out! That's right. We've been talking about the book Fun and Sobriety for weeks now. Today is the day, and we've got two guests. John, the senior editor of the book, as well as the Grapevine magazine, and also Brian, one of the contributors, and they're with us right now. Say hi, guys. Hey, fellas. Yeah. Which is which? Say hi, John. <laughs> oh, hi. This is John. Say hey. hi, Brian. And hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm Brian S. from uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Glad you're here. Glad y'all are here. Thank you. Fun and Sobriety is a publication of AA Grapevine, and it features some 50 stories by members of Alcoholics Anonymous about all the ways that they have learned to have a good time after putting down the drink. It's divided into five chapters interspersed with jokes like a drunk walks into a travel agency, goes to the desk and says, I'd like a round trip ticket, please. Where to, the agent asks. Why, back here, naturally. It's really not that funny. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's kind <laughs> of fun. Chapter one is Adventures in the Fellowship. Lots of stories about the fun of hanging out with the winners, you could say. Lots of people discovering they can dance or sing karaoke sober. 
Has anybody here had any um, adventures with, I guess, dancing and singing karaoke? Only when I was drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, chapter two is Creative Dreams Come Alive. Stories of all kinds of creativity. I bet that's a big one for you, Don. Yeah, yeah. I'm an artist, and when I came into AA, I thought, well, I'm going to quit drinking it's not going to be any fun anymore, and I'll never paint again, which was not true. I discovered I gave all my creativity to alcohol. I got sober and found out my creativity still here. In fact, my creativity is where my higher power lives. Chapter three is living it up. Fun at parties and concerts. <laughs> I had a, a an interesting live it up moment. I was traveling internationally in Germany and went to this giant, well, naked party. What? And I I came through the entrance and checked my clothes, and there I am standing on the edges of the dance floor, looking at this, you know, not too many people out there on the floor dancing, thinking to myself, you know, when more people get out there, then I'll dance because I wanted to be able to hide while I was dancing. (laughs) Then I looked down at myself and it's like, Sam, you're standing here naked. Go dance. And I did. Did you have fun? I had a blast. (laughs) It is hard (laughs) enough to dance sober with clothes on. (laughs) Maybe for you. Don, Sam, we put this book together at the Grapevine to to try to help uh, newcomers see that their life isn't over yet. You know, when I first came into AA, I I thought, oh, my God, my life is over. I'm never, am I ever going to have fun again? And this is a book that you can hand a sponsee and say, no, no, (laughs) take a look. There's a thousand ways to get back. There are indeed. And there's even a story in there about a naked meeting on the beach, I think it was. There is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're not the only nudist, Sam. <laughs> I'm wearing clothes right now, by the way. Right. When we when we first try to stop drinking, we think, how am I going to have fun? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with all of this time that I used to devote to drinking? And when we look back on our lives, man, I for my, my story is I worked and I drank. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. I worked and I drank. So how much fun was I really having? Uh, you know, I wasn't at cocktail parties with the glitterati. I was sitting in my basement or in my backyard. Not too glamorous. In sobriety, I'm never bored. Yeah. There aren't enough hours in the day for all the things I want to do. And when I was drinking, after I was drinking, I was hungover and I was on the couch watching television. That doesn't sound very fun and exciting. Yeah, I know. Why did I think that that was so much fun? Right. <laughs> My favorite story in this section of the book was uh, Showtime, which is on page 76. It's so poignant. As a sober adult, this guy learns his mother always wanted to take him to a play. And so he agrees to go for her sake. And the look on her face when he's at that play and her happiness, her joy made him realize that the most fun that you can have is making somebody else happy. You remember that story? Yeah, it was a really good story. I relate to it because... My experience, particularly with my mother and my grandmother, uh, when they were still alive, you know, I'm so glad that I got to have so much sober time with them because the ways that I got to show up in their lives 
and see them happy because I was a part of what was going on was just absolutely incredible. I loved it. It's the opposite of being isolated. Mm. So I just went on a trip across the country with my wife in a camper van. We were gone a month. The first three days, I was kind of a fish out of water. I wasn't happy as could be about all of this, but, you know, I knew it was important to her. And so I had agreed to do it. So I was really kind of fighting with myself. Don, quit being miserable. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. As she was growing up, her parents took her and her whole family on camping trips And they visited 50 states. So she had a long experience with this. And so when we arrive at the campground, she cleans off the picnic table, puts out a picnic table cover. I set up the gas grill and she chopped up vegetables and got out a frying pan with stir frying this vegetable mix. She looked up and she had this smile on her face and she said, I feel like my daddy. Mm. And and I kind of I realized then that the reason that you know I was doing this was for her, and what a, it made me so happy to see her glow like that, you know. Yeah, Don, that just showed up for you real big right now, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful, and I. I wouldn't have had it when I was drinking. I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have done it. Or I would have done it and made a mess of the whole situation. Yeah. Yep. Well, chapter four is the great and glorious outdoors. Hiking, swimming, horseback riding, getting out into nature. Lots of getting together with sober friends, having adventures. I've done a lot of sober hiking, and I went camping on the beach with a bunch of AAs before I moved from North Carolina. I've gone sober skydiving and even did river tubing with a group of sober friends. Did you do it nude? (laughs) I would have, but that wasn't an option. (laughs) You know, there is a lot of tubing in this book. River tubing is definitely done by drunks a lot. Yeah. So apparently it's done by sober drunks a lot, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) And the last chapter is going places, traveling all over the world without drinking. Did any of those last stories sound familiar, Sam? Yeah, sure enough. (laughs) My Friends in the Outback on page 124 is by our previous guest, Terry, who was on the show way back in season one, episode nine, Miracles Across Time Zones. Via the internet, she made friends with a lot of Aussies, and her friend Jenny was also on the show all the way from Australia. You know, there's a lot of hope in this book. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I read the book. I was surprised at how heavy the book is at times. By that, I mean, like, emotional. It came from identifying with all the feelings of people who were without hope, and then they find support. And they experience another way to live. And while it's about having fun sober, and there's a lot of funny stuff in the book, it's really about discovering sober life can be enjoyable and meaningful. Resplendent in ebullience? You could say that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or buy the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. As we already know, we've got a couple of guests on the show, and let's get to know them a little bit. John, please introduce yourself, and what do you do for AA? Hi, guys. I'm John W., and I live here in New York City, and I work at The Grapevine. I'm the senior editor. I put together the magazines and books. Are you also an alcoholic? Yes, sir. Yeah, you have to be to have my job. Anyone who works with the content of the magazine, who edits and selects stories and stuff, has to be sober. I've been sober since 1996. I got sober here in New York City. I start, I did my drinking down in Georgia. I got into a rock band, made my way up the East Coast. It was really sloppy and crazy <laughs> and wild. Got to New York City, moved here in the late 80s and started working in the nightclubs. And I did, I partied my way into AA. Once I hit New York City, I was on like the fast train to AA. I didn't know it. <laughs> uh, was there a lot of graffiti on that train? <laughs> yeah, back then I there bet was. it smelled yeah. funny too. <laughs> I got here before the uh, trains were air conditioned. Now they're air conditioned. It was, it, yeah. it was hot down there. And so I ended up on a friend's couch in, in a detox in the Bowery. I had no money, no nothing. I had to reinvent myself and crawled into AA and got me a sponsor. Can't say enough about a sponsor. Yeah. He totally took me and set me at this big giant men's meeting. And I've been there ever since. Since 1996, I've been going to the, my home group. It's this big men's meeting. It's called PAX. It's a just amazing place. And these guys patched me up and taught me how to not drink and then told me to turn around and help the next guy. <laughs> you said reinvent yourself, which is, I mean, that is exactly what happened to me. And that's what was so terrifying about getting sober. It's like, who am I going to be if I'm not drinking? Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, I just had to get out of the club world and I had to get out of the rock band. I'd all, I mm. had to get out of showbiz, you know, right away. I needed to. Not everybody does. I did. And then I thought, what now? And I had no job skills. I, I had all these crappy little sober jobs. And my sponsor just said, just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Just show up. He kept telling me, like, I finally got into this magazine where I was answering phones and opening letters. And he said, go to the boss and tell him to give you more to do. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? And I did. I'll never forget the face on my boss. He's like, who is this? Like, and he gave me more to do. Wow. Right. Instead of like doing the least possible. Yeah. And I stayed at that magazine for like the next 14 years, learned how to be an editor. And uh, here I, you know, and, and then I just somehow I made my way and ended up at Grapevine. I have no idea. And that was 10 years ago. Definitely not something you could have planned, right? No, I had no idea. No, couldn't have told me. Uh, what an amazing story. To, yeah. uh, being editor wasn't your dream when you were in the rock band. No, no, not at all. I didn't know. In fact, I had been a photographer in college, and that's what kind of got me into that magazine. And when I got into the photo department, I discovered I love words. I love to play with words. I didn't know. And that's one of the things I love about AA is that you're, you know, you're now present. 
Mm-hmm. And I just discovered, which something I never knew, that I like to play with words. A job opened up in the editorial department as like a, you know, I was like a flunky to help the other overworked editors to do their extra stuff. There's always, they're always overworked. And they took me under their wing and, t- you know, I learned everything under them, you know. Yeah. John, what's something about putting together the book Fun and Sobriety that affected your own sobriety? Oh, wow. Gosh, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I get that from every book that we put together. You know, I love the books because it has me dive into the well of thousands of stories, which we have since 1944, and pick them out by subject. And we go in and we find a big mountain of like, you know, having fun and sobriety. We absorb all of that, and that informs what kinds of chapters we're going to divide them into. You guys talked about those earlier. I'm so lucky that I have a job where I get to be be reminded again and again and again and again and again and again how amazing AA transforms us. It opens the, my world. And this book especially helps you see that, you know, your life's not over. Your life, memo to self, you know, your life just started. Yeah. yeah. And nobody feels that way when they get sober. Well, hey, Brian. Yeah. Introduce yourself, please. Brian S. from Alexandria, Virginia. My last drink was May 21st of 2019. My story, I was a professional guy, worked in politics for almost 20 years. Uh, Washington, D.C., big shot life, visions of grandeur, making history, being in the history books, and on the inside, just getting hollowed out. Mm -hmm. That hole in the soul just getting bigger and wider and deeper, and I'm filling it with alcohol. And then eventually uh, it caught up with me and I had what I call my terrible twos. I lost two jobs. I totaled two cars and I got charged with two crimes. Mm. In the end, I was out of work and unemployable. And I turned a a major uh, bout of alcoholism into something really catastrophic. And eventually my sainted wife had enough of it, decided uh, she'd take me to rehab, but I couldn't stay at home and kick me out of the house, which I like to say was the nicest thing she ever did for me. After a few days of thinking about it, because, you know, I'm an alcoholic, I got to think these things through. <laughs> I love when Bill writes in the book about the choice of a living life on a spiritual basis or an alcoholic death aren't easy alternatives to face. It was not an easy alternative to face. But uh, I, I finally saw the light and uh, accepted the ride up the road to uh, rehab in, in 28 days. And I've been sober ever since. When I got out, one of my first meetings coming out now, you know, in the interim there, I, of course, I used AA as, you know, to get the wife off the back, right? Like we've all done that to get the, the employer, the judge, the spouse, the partner, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, somebody off our back. I did what a lot of people uh, probably did, which is use AA as cover to go drink. I go back to that same meeting after I'm out of rehab and I heard someone say, and this goes to kind of the fun and sobriety theme, recovery is like sex. If you're not enjoying it, you're not doing it right. <laughs> And I put a few days at a time together and my my life gets pretty darn wonderful and full. You know, I tried to live big and my life got real small. And now I try to live right-sized and my life is abundant. I love abundant. That That's a fantastic word to describe what life is like. Well, you hear it said a lot. You know, I, I, I'm glad everything happened to me that happened to me. And, and most people call BS. I don't. Yeah. So you had to reinvent yourself too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm... I'm a completely different person, both in, in who I am, how I live, what I think, and what I do for a living. Um, I was so honored to have a little story of mine published in the Grapevine last year, which is in the selection of, of articles John uh, has published as a book. And it's about me and my woodworking. 
the long and short story of that is I'm a few days out of rehab. I'm looking at all the stuff around my backyard and just, you know, you get out of rehab and you want to organize everything, right? You spend a month making your own bed in the morning and you just want to organize everything. Yeah. And so I said, <laughs> well, there's a lot of time. A lot of time. Quit, like the day is long. It wasn't working. Uh, so I, I bought a saw and a drill and built a box. Then I built the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and just learning on the internet and YouTubes and books. And eventually friends said, you know, Brian, you should start selling this stuff. So I put up a website and now this is what I do full time. It's a wonderful way to get some freedom from economic insecurity for one. Mm -hmm. Two, we talk about in recovery, the importance of being present. Well, I can't be thinking about what you think of me or the person who's mad at me or the fear I have about tomorrow when I'm standing over my spinning table saw. Okay. I got to be focused yeah. 100% on the job at hand or else I'm going to lose my fingers. So you want to talk about a hobby and a pastime and even a livelihood about needing to be present and focused and in the moment and not worried about the wreckage of the future or the wreckage of the past. Woodworking is a good one, but there's a lot of them that you can apply that to. People ask me, how often do you work, Brian? I was like, I work every day, but it's not work. I'm sitting in my little home office in my house and my shop is in the wall behind me. I have the shortest commute on earth. <laughs> I work when I need to. I play with my kids when I need to. I sat down in a meeting a few weeks ago and a newcomer came in and sat down next to me and making chit chat. She said, uh, so how you doing? And I said, I couldn't be better. She's kind of taken aback. And uh, <laughs> I have to remember, I'm in an AA meeting. You're kind of supposed to be a little bit miserable, even if you're doing well. It's like an underlying, <laughs> it's almost rude. It's like the etiquette of an AA meeting. You kind of got to be pissed off about something. And so I said, well, you know, it wasn't always that way. And she goes, what changed? And I said, well, I started measuring myself by different things. You know, I didn't measure myself by power, prestige, or money, or the stuff. I, I measured myself about how close I was to God, or was I moving in that direction? And that's the difference for me. And I'm never lonely. I'm never bored because I love the person I spend my alone time with. I respect that guy. Ah, He's a lot. It's a different life. It wasn't that way before. That's great, Brian. That's fantastic. Okie dokie. We have some calls from listeners sharing their fun stories. First, Christopher in Calistoga, California. Hi there. My name is Christopher. I'm an alcoholic from Calistoga, California, and I have a little funny story about a fellow who showed up at the meeting, and he brought a picture of himself of what he looked like before. And he's pretty well beaten up, and he passes around to everyone. He announced to the group, you know that part of the book where it says we sought lower companionship well i was the guy you were looking for there he is the guy who is much worse than me <laughs> <laughs> thanks christopher yes indeed thanks christopher next is meg in martinez california hi grapevine my name is meg b i'm from martinez california i wanted to call in and share a story on the topic fun in sobriety I got sober in 2008, and when I showed up here, I was just certain I was never going to have another fun day in my life, and I was fine with that, and we all know what happened. I found so much joy in AA. There was one time where my sponsor, me, and my sponsee all had annual celebrations around the same time, and my sponsee had gotten her first sponsee, who was going to celebrate 30 days, and we decided... We need to go to a speaker meeting for this. So we all piled as many people as we could into a car and drove off to the local speaker meeting. The lady who drove us had just gotten a new car. It was beautiful, and she was proud, as she should be. 
as we pulled into the church parking lot, we went over the speed bump, and the most wretched sound came from under the car. It was like a horror movie scream of metal against concrete, and we all just shot each other terrified looks like, oh, no. And we had the speaker meeting, and we all got our coins and celebrated it and jumped back in the car on the way home. It was about a 40-minute drive of that metal screech, and we just laughed the whole time. We broke this lady's new car, and every time we would look at each other, we just bust out laughing. It was painful to laugh that hard. And our newcomer at one point started getting teary and said, I never thought I'd have fun again. I can't remember the last time I laughed this hard. And wow, right in that moment, it really nailed it for me that what we get in AA is so special. We learn to laugh at our troubles and be so serious about our joy. So I hope you enjoyed that story. I think about it a lot. Thanks, Meg. Now I'll bet for the sponsor who owned the new car, that laughter from the newcomer more than made up for the pain of having to fix that screeching noise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Meg. Let's read some excerpts. In Two Free Hands on page 14, Jenny C. of Portland, Maine writes, At a shocking but still fresh six months sober, I attended my first WIPA conference, that's Young People in AA, in New Hampshire. By the end of that weekend, I can say I successfully socialized, laughed, danced, drank an obscene amount of coffee, and made 20-plus new friends from every New England state. And I was able to do all this without any alcohol to make me feel more relaxed, talkative, fun, or pretty. I can now say with all certainty that I can have fun sober. <sighs> See, that's the thing. It's like you hear something like that, and I can feel it. I've got one. Dossie P. from California says in Where the Party Is on page 20, there is no entertainment comparable to a jolly AA meeting. I agree. I've always said this. AA is better than television because <laughs> you've got every genre here. You know, you've got comedy, check, soap opera, check, true crime, <laughs> You'll hear some true crime before it's all over at an <laughs> AA meeting. It's true. Hey, John, do you have a favorite excerpt? Yeah, I, I picked one from JL in Cary, North Carolina. It's called Out of the Gutter. It's a really cool story. They gathered a bunch of AA members from three different clubhouses in North Carolina and started a bowling tournament. And uh, they had names like uh, Ali Caholics. Yes. <laughs> Out of the gutter gals and kingpins. <laughs> and one of the fun things they did after they had been bowling for a while is they adopted the steps for bowling. And uh, I'm just going to read just a couple of the steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over other people's bowling and our bowling curve. And when we mess up, our game becomes unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could help us relax while we bowl, which makes for more sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our bowling game and our competitiveness over to the care of God as we understood him. <laughs> and then I'm going to skip to nine, made direct amends to our teammates and competitors wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them with our bowling ball or others. <laughs> <laughs> 
Step 10, continue to take personal inventory and keep accurate bowling scores. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. <laughs> well, I heard a speaker one time say that he loved when he was drinking to play golf alone and cheat <laughs> <laughs> on his score <laughs> by himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, Brian, you got one? I do. Page 22. You don't have to be a hermit as the title. And the remarkable thing is this was written in 1948, but it's as true for... That's deep in the archive. 2022 as 48. Um, quote, the word I would like to pass on to newcomers is that you don't have to be a hermit to stay sober. You don't have to cut yourself off from fun and friends and normal activities when you stop drinking. Sobriety does not isolate anyone. Please believe us, you newcomers. Sobriety and AA open the door to more genuine pleasure, more real friends, more interesting activities, and infinitely more satisfaction than you have ever known before. In fact, it's virtually impossible to be a hermit in AA and stay in AA or stay sober. I love that. That gives me chills. I found it to be true in my life. My home group tomorrow is going off to a, a giant picnic down at a state park. We have dinners and retreats and we go golfing. My third grader, I said I was going to speak for a, a friend in the program, one of my sponsees. And well, he said, why are you doing that? I said, well, he's a, he's a friend and he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic sound. He says, you have a friend who's an alcoholic? I said, Teddy, all my friends are alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The second paragraph of working with others says that frequent contact with each other is the bright spot of our lives, is. And I'll challenge friends in the program. Is it? And if it's not, why not? It is in my life. Love it. Alcohol wants us to be isolated and afraid. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where it leads. That's where it led to me. Connection is, is such a big part of this. Opposite. It's the opposite of addiction, right? Connection? Connectedness? Yeah. 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 Well, it's time for us to wrap up. John, the stories all came from the Grapevine magazine. How can people submit their stories to the Grapevine? They can go to aagrapevine.org and just scroll down a little bit and you'll see, send us your story. And you, you click on that and it there's instructions on how long the stories we're looking for, the different kinds of stories you can write. You don't have to write your whole long story, which we'd love for you to do, but you can, you can write a story about an amend you once made or a sponsor you once had or something that happened at a meeting the other day. Or you can write a little short thing like that'll be in the letter section, you know, so you can write about whatever you, you like, as long as it's AA and, as, and you can send your story in through the website. It tells you exactly how to do that. Just click, click and send it in. And I imagine you could probably also send in some of these sober dad jokes. <laughs> oh, my God. We are looking <laughs> for jokes. We need jokes. So please, please send jokes. And you don't have to. It, you don't have to make it up. You can just pass along really great jokes that you've heard. And also we're looking for photos. We're looking for cartoons. We're, you know, those little kind of New Yorker cartoons in the magazine. Mm -hmm. We love people to scroll little cartoons and send them in. We love using member art. We prefer member art. Um, if you do watercolors or illustrations, we can use that to illustrate the stories in the book. Fantastic. So, and then yeah. the photos, you know, a lot of times photos are of meeting spaces, right? Yes. If Wells could talk section. That's real popular. People love that. Those beach meeting photos, they make me jealous, John. <laughs> yes. I, <know. laughs> I, love it. I love my church basement home group, but man, you know. <laughs> 
All right, folks. Well, you can get the book, Fun and Sobriety, at aagrapevine.org. Click on store and you can order a copy. John, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Stick around. We got a really bad joke. I think the wits in joke ought to be right out of the book. Don't you, I Sam? I think that's a good idea. I'm at the very wits end. Cuckoo. I didn't appreciate what you said about me in yesterday's meeting when you said a lot of us in AA are narcissistic. I was talking about me because when I share, it's always about me. I know you were talking about me. You were looking right at me when you said it. Oh, were you at the meeting? (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.